Good evening. Please stand as we sing number 485, This World Is Not My Home. This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. They're all expecting me, and that's one thing I know. My Savior pardoned me, and now I onward go. I know he'll take me through, though I am weak and poor, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Just up in glory land, we'll live eternally. The saints on every end are shouting victory. Their songs of sweetest praise drift back from heaven's shore, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. Can't feel at home in this world anymore. Good to have you tonight. Let's go to the Lord more to prayer. Father, bless the evening service tonight. Be with Brother Taylor as he preaches. Be with the rest of the singing and the special. And Lord, I pray that you just uh, be with those who are still getting here. Get them here safely. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We will be singing A Shelter in the Time of Storm, number 491. The Lord's our rock, in Him we hide, a shelter in the time of storm. Secure whatever will be tied, a shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a weary land, a weary land. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a shelter in the time of storm. A shade by day, defense by night, a shelter in the time of storm. No fears alarm, no foes of fright, a shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a weary land, a weary land. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a shelter in the time of storm. Oh, rock divine, no refuge dear, a shelter in the time of storm. Be thou our helper ever near, a shelter in the time of storm. 
Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land. A weary land, a weary land. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land. A shelter in the time of storm. It's a joy to have folks visiting with us. We're here for the first time, and the first time in a long time. Did you slip your hand up? I didn't see anyone, but I did notice you, Mrs. Vaughn. But I was I was running the other direction, so I meant to get back to see you and did not. Good to see you tonight. Brother and Mrs. Hauser, is Mr. Crutchfield doing okay? We can take him off the prayer list. Grandma, is Marissa doing okay? Activity 6 to 7.30, Saturday bus visitation at 9.30, so winning at 10.45, and then Sunday school, which Brother Cor will be with us this Sunday. We've been praying for the revival that was coming, and it will be here Sunday. Brother Cor will be here Sunday morning for uh, Sunday school. He'll be in the auditorium, and again, older, all the uh, teachers that have the older kids can bring your kids in if you like. Uh, just sit with your kids and make sure they behave themselves. Uh, but Brother Cor will be speaking for Sunday school, Sunday morning service, Sunday night service, uh, our regular times, and then Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, all at 7.30. Uh, and uh, Mrs. Coral is going to make it. I found out yesterday that she's going to fly in to meet him, so she'll be here. So she'll be doing some singing for us. Don't know about the piano playing, so whoever was planning on playing the piano, uh, I'll hopefully have an answer for you tomorrow about that. Uh, but con continue to pray for the revival. Uh, the Yallers are out of town. They're in Ohio uh, visiting relatives. I talked to him for a short time today. was supposed to call him back, and I forgot. So I'll try to get a hold of him, but continue to pray for, for uh, 
the Yalas as they're out of town. Don't forget to pray for the meeting coming up in November, November the, the 17th, 18th, and 19th. The 17th is here at our church. So it's a Thursday night. We'll flip our Wednesday and Thursday night services. We'll go sewing in on on uh, Wednesday night. So the good news is if some of you forget, maybe I should quit announcing it because uh, if some of you forget, we'll have a good crowd uh, for, for sewing in on Thursday, I mean on Wednesday night. So, uh, but uh, we'll flip our Wednesday and Thursday service. We'll have sewing in at 645 on Wednesday and then our church service at 730 on Thursday. And then that Friday and Saturday we'll be at Texas Baptist using their facilities, uh, but we'll have a youth meeting seven o'clock on Friday night, starts at 10 a.m. Saturday morning, and we'll go till uh, we'll have two services, two preaching services, Saturday uh, lunch, and then we'll have some uh, uh, volleyball or, or dodgeball. Uh, Friday night, we'll have some games, skits, singing, and then he'll be preaching for about an hour on Friday night. So uh, that is in November. Um, and then, again, always pray for our military, pray for our country, pray for the upcoming election. We'll be singing 523, A Flag to Follow. As we stand. I sought a flag to follow, a cause for which to stand. I sought a valiant leader who could my love command. I sought a stirring challenge. Some noble work to try To give my life fulfillment My dreams to satisfy I found them all in Jesus The life, the truth, the way Beneath His flag I'll take my stand And follow Him today I sought a satisfaction for yearning deep within. I sought for full deliverance from chains of guilt and sin. I sought for peace and pardon, for freedom from my fears. I sought a hope to cling to beyond these passing years. I found them all in Jesus, the life, the truth, the way. Beneath this flag I'll take my stand and follow him today. Let's pray. Dear precious Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, so much. You're so good to us, Lord. Thank you for the book, the blood, and the blessed hope. Bless this offering, Lord, the gift and the giver. And bless the preacher as he preaches the word of God. Lord, and if there's one loss, I pray you get saved tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
We will be singing 503. Fairest Lord Jesus. Fairest Lord Jesus, ruler of all nature, O Thou of God and man, the Son, Thee will I cherish, Thee will I honor, Thou my soul's glory, joy, and crown. Fair are the meadows, fair still the woodlands, robed in the blooming garb of spring. Jesus is fairer, Jesus is purer, who makes the woeful heart to sing. Beautiful Savior, Lord of all nations, Son of God and Son of Man, glory and honor, praise and oration, now and forevermore be thine. In the ushers defense, I think they only I think they sang one last last verse, so the ushers didn't know that it was gonna be short.
Brother Wallace, wasn't one of your students missing? I don't know what, huh? Yes, I don't know why she wasn't playing and singing tonight. They have another young lady that plays in there. Her name is Mrs. Bell. Apparently, apparently she didn't bring her guitar tonight. Most of you know Brother Taylor. For those of you who don't, you'll get to know him while he's preaching. He's been here a long time. He's like one of those guy girls that sits up on the building. He's, he's one, of the, one of the folks that's... <laughs> it's, a, it's a good thing. Well, I wasn't worried about the ugly part. I just meant the old part, the ancient part. Yeah, but uh, he was with the Liberty when, we was down at the, when they were down at the Tigo Plaza. I wasn't here at that time, so he's been here through a lot of stuff and a lot of changes. So I always appreciate his loyalty and Mrs. Taylor's faithfulness. All right. Thank you. Acts 22. Be a little different type of a message tonight. I prepared this for just in case someone wasn't able to preach that day. It was 9-11. And uh, so uh, if I had a title for the message, it'd be this, Things I've Learned from 9-11. We'll, we'll look back at some things that happened uh, on that fateful day and then uh, make some applications. So let's go and pray and then we'll look into the Bible in Acts 22. Father, I ask that you bless what's going to be said. We need your power as always do. I ask that you'd help folks to listen. And Lord, I want to be blessing to your folks. Help that you'd make me be so in Jesus' name. Amen. So one of the most tragic times or days or hours for our entire country, our God-blessed land. I told my wife, I ever seen such sound of music when Van Trapp Trap was singing Edelweiss? It's kind of almost what I feel like these days. It seems like we're just slipping through our hands. But it's still at this point our republic. The day the Twin Towers were attacked and leveled and flown into by maniacs, killing over 3,000 people in one day, one aggressive act, one terroristic plot. People in New York City used to talk about where were you and the lights went out. Uh, now people ask all the time, where were you 9-11? And if you've been around a while, you, you were there when you were, if you were alive that day, you remember where you were when 9-11 happened. I was working at a hotel, working overnight as a, uh, working part-time at a hotel and we all went into one of the rooms where the TV was and watched what went on. But uh, so we ask now, where were you when the towers fell? This, this past year or this year was 21 year anniversary of the awful godless aggressive act, a plot, a plan, a performance by godless, maniacal, radical, fanatic tyrants. And a tyranny so devilish and so demonically controlled and so diabolical that they would try to destroy 3,000 lives of innocent Americans. They're so jealous, so envious, so resentful of our lifestyle, our way of life, that they would go and uh, begin a, a fight, start a war if they had to, declare jihad against America, and that's what they did. Our nation, our brave people at that point, our population, it bound with a purpose, a common goal, a mutual target, the survival of our very lives, one nation in singularity, unity and harmony that's only read about in books and seen in movie productions and imagined by authors. It was quite an experience uh, just a few days after 9-11 and it lasted a couple of years. 
where we were together as one nation. Uh, people stood at attention. They stood tall, stood shoulder to shoulder, uh, having affirmed that we may, may have been attacked, we may have been challenged, uh, maybe we've been called out, but we declared that we would not uh, fall down before the terrorist. Uh, we would not run up the flag of cowards and go quietly into the night without the fight of our lives. I say, may God bless America and what she stood for these last two and a half centuries. So I'd like to bring an unusual message tonight. I hope you'll listen and Maybe it'll make a difference. Maybe it'll help some folks and encourage some folks. Acts 22, 24, this is Paul giving his defense of Christianity. In verse 24, it says, The chief captain, after he gave his speech, the chief captain commanded him to be brought into the castle and bathed that he should be examined by scourging, that he might know wherefore they cried so against him. It's interesting, they're going to scourge him to find out why these other people crying again. Look to me like they should have done it the other way around, but okay. And as they bound him with thongs, uh, Paul said unto the centurion that stood by, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man that is a Roman and uncondemned? Then the chief captain came in and said unto him, Tell me, art thou Roman? I mean, that meant something. And he said, Yea. And the chief captain commanded with a great sum obtained I this freedom. And Paul said, but I was free born. He was born from a Roman and carried that Roman citizenship with his life. And again, I'd like to bring a message with that kind of a being a springboard with this idea. Things I learned from 9-11. First off, I'm proud to be an American. Still. I'm proud to be American. It, at that point, it made me very proud. It was very satisfying. It was very rewarding uh, to be an American in those days uh, and still to point today. Uh, Ronald Reagan, no doubt, was the best president in my lifetime, at least until President Trump came along. And uh, he used to say, we are a shining city upon a hill. A shining city upon a hill for the entire world to watch. And I've read behind a number of people that said this, uh, uh, that if we lose America, now pe other people came from other countries to here, to seek, uh, to seek safety. Um, other people have come here, but if we lose America, where are we going to go? Anyway, uh, patriotism right after 9-11, in fact, during Ronald Reagan's time as president, uh, Bush's time as president, Trump's time as president, patriotism went up. When the other fellows were in there, Carter, Obama, and now Biden, I mean, it kind of, you, you see the patriotism go down. And uh, because it seems to me like they make more of other people than America. I loved it when Trump would say, America first. Well, you think? Anyway, 
when our nation was attacked and assaulted and accosted, the response, the reply, the retort made me very proud. I was thinking back about the days in World War II, days immediately after the Battle of Dunkirk, uh, the world sat in deep darkness when all seemed irrevocably lost. Uh, England's invasion seemed to loom imminent. I mean, it looked like England was gone. 47 warships had been sunk in the operation off of Norway and Dunkirk. Half of the warships Britain owned were shipped in the shipyard being repaired. The RAF, the Royal Air Force, only had 40% of its bombers. Uh, Britain was on the brink of famine. Armies were ill-equipped, left 50,000 vehicles in France when they pulled out of France uh, across, across the water. And Churchill stood. And made now a famous speech. He said, we shall defend our island. Whatever the cost may be, we shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight in the fields. We shall fight in the streets. We shall fight in the hill. We shall never surrender. And if this island were subjugated and starving, our empire and the seas would carry on the struggle until in God's good time, the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to rescue and liberate uh, liberation of the old. What a speech. Now we read those speeches and we think, man, what, what a speech in those days. And really, he, he, when he did that, the speech so rallied the troops and rallied the armies and rallied the world that World, world War II ended with England with the USA at her side victorious over the Axis powers. It wasn't too much different after 9-11. Bush stepped forth after that horrendous day on September 14th. So just a few days after he made this speech, I'll read parts of it, not the whole thing. But he said, we are here in the middle, in the middle hour of our grief. So many have suffered so great a loss, and today we express our nation's sorrow. We come before God to pray for the missing and the dead and for those who love them. Uh, and he, he went on to... He, 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 uh, listed some of the names of the folks that had been lost. He said, war has been waged against us by stealth and deceit and murder. The nation is peaceful but fierce when stirred to anger. The conflict was begun in the timing in terms of others. It will end in a way and at an hour of our choosing. What a speech he gave. Uh, he, he went on this national day of prayer and remembrance. We ask Almighty God to watch over our nation and grant us patience and resolve in all uh, that is to come. And then he said and closed it off by saying, God bless America. When American forces, when they hit Afghanistan and Iraq, they stood for the peace and freedom we have come to know, and it made me proud in those days to be an American. And again, I'm still proud. Uh, I might not be as proud of the regime that's going on these days, but I'm still proud of America, and I'm glad to be here. Um, in those days, flags were flown just a little bit higher. America, when, it was, when people said America, they said it just a little bit louder and with a little more grit. And uh, I longed to get back to those days, but but I, but it taught me to be proud of to be an American. Second off, it it, it uh, uh, helped me to see the importance of family. As the story unfolded before our eyes and our sight and our view, we saw brave stories of persons on the planes that were going down. People used their cell phones and looked death in the eye, calling home to say, "I love you." 
Beth Patron, she was an employee of the state of New York, worked with Mayor Giuliani for 18 years, um, came to find Mayor Giuliani in 9-11 to make sure he was safe. Uh, she was also the wife of, Carrie, of, of Captain Terry Hatton, commander of the fire department. Uh, he had been awarded 19 medals and commendations in 21 years' service to New York City. As Beth walked away from talking to Giuliani, he kind of put it together and turned around and said, was Terry working? Her response was, yes. And with tears in her eyes, she said, he's gone. And the mayor said, you don't know that. Hugged her and uh, had some tears uh, with her. He did die. And many others died that day, uh, teaching us to uh, love family. Uh, in times of tragedy, our families become more important to us than ever. I learned the importance of family. Uh, back in 2004, so that's a few years after, 2004, I was read a story in the paper about a young man back in July 5th in 2004. Grace Lopez was driving along Martin Street in Floresville, saw a young man in uniform along the road. She thought of her 20-year-old son serving in Iraq, and she waved at him. The young man waved back. It was then that she noticed who it was. It was her son. He had come home to surprise her. He ended up going back. This, this was July 5th. He ended up going back, and on September 8th, he died in Iraq after running over a bomb in the road. I saw the mother interviewed, and she was so thankful that she was able to see him in July. He had been a member of the Lakeview Baptist Church in Floresville and was saved at the age of 15. Uh, so you could tell that the loss of the mother was the loss of that mother was evident in her face, uh, but she was so proud that her son fought for America and she was so glad that he had been saved. But knew how important family was. Family becomes important, those type of things, and we should cherish uh, the times we spend together with families. Families, we don't always agree. In fact, if anything, we, we sometimes disagree. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't have to put my stamp of approval on something my family does to love them. Right. They, can, they can do some unusual things, some things I pr probably wouldn't put my stamp of approval on. Yeah. I wouldn't condone. I wouldn't tell them that's okay. But they're still my family. Yeah. And they know I still love them. They know Mama still loves them. Because they're our family. And we ought to be that way with our families as well as our church family. Uh, in the Old Testament, the Jewish folks, they had priorities. Their first priority was God. Jehovah God, that's a good priority to have. The second one was their family. Anybody know what the third was? Their land. The thing that God gave them. It was given to them by God. So, But God first, family second, land third, Family, we need to learn to love and to hold close our families. I, I learned that from 9-11. So uh, the next thing, the specialness of life. If you take a college course in Bible doctrines, uh, when you go through the book about creation, they don't just call it creation. You, you think that's what it'd say, but they don't call it that. They call it this special creation. In a doctrinal book, they call it special creation it's called that due to the specialness of the creator the creation and the created that's us it's special creation it has to do with our values and our morals and our upbringing we are taught that life is precious and special 
and to be cherished. I mean, the Declaration of Independence says it. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator, not the government, but by their creator with certain unalienable rights uh, that among these are life, uh, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And that was written a couple hundred years ago, and they put right in there, uh, among these are life. I can't believe that we have women all across America saying, I want to kill my baby. And if you listen to them campaign, that's just about what they sound like. How dare you tell me I can't kill my baby. The specialness of life. Um, we should cherish and covet and prize each life and each person and each individual God does that uh, brother Bach read this other night Psalm 139 14 I'll praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made marvelous uh, are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well my substance uh, was not hidden from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth uh, uh, thine eyes did see my substance yet being unperfect I mean in, in, in the womb and in uh, thy book all my members were written which in continuance why it's growing uh, were fashioned whereas yet there was none of them God has written down in the book already and just as God places importance about each life and each person, each individual, we ought to be doing the same because we are still, and I use this term loosely these days, a Christian nation. I was reading the other day, they're saying that the amount of uh, church-going Christians are on the decline, and it, they, they say it won't be long before we're a minority. My question of that is, do we get to claim minority status? Our adversaries, our enemies, our challengers uh, to our freedom and way of life, uh, they do not hold the same beliefs. They, not, they don't hold those same philosophies. They don't hold those same teaching. Uh, the Islamic jihadists uh, believe in conversion by the will or the sword. Either you agree to it or they cut your head off. They'll stop at nothing to attempt to force their beliefs upon our nation but we're so mean when we go knock on doors and try to tell people about the Lord Jesus. I don't take a sword with me. I don't threaten them. In fact, if they ask me to leave, I leave politely. Hopefully leave the door open for the next person. Uh, you ought not go to the door, and if they, won't, if they won't listen, you don't have to say, well, just go to hell then. Don't say that. Leave the door open so the next person, if you do that, the next person come by and go, oh, we ain't talking to them. Be kind. People that would kill 3,000, uh, people that would kill 3,000 people in one day, innocent victims, just bystanders. Uh, people that execute defiant radicals, they call them defiant radicals, we call them Christians. Uh, people who think nothing of cutting the heads off of their captives, uh, not only that, make videos of it and show it for a trophy. 
They don't have the same same ideologies as we've been trained to have in, in, in America. Uh, we're supposed to cherish life, and we ought to cherish life, this special creation. Um, history's full of tyrants, Nero and Stalin and Hitler and that type, uh, the Gaddafis, the Bin Ladens, the Husseins, and all the rest of them, uh, filled with those type of people that have different philosophies, but we ought to love and cherish life. And 9-11 taught me to do that. Uh, thank God America has attempted to, to, to still live for liberty and freedom and specialness uh, of life, uh, the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Now, it didn't go far enough, you ask me, but, I mean, it was a good step. So 9-11 taught me to be proud to be American, the importance of family, the specialness of life. Fourthly, uh, this is easy preached. It's hard living, I'll tell you this right now. Um, learning patience. It's a little bit different point of view, if you will. Um, again, it's easy to preach, hard to live. Uh, you ever uh, on the way to work and, and you just have to be there a certain time and you have a flat? That's irritating. Or if you get behind the old grandma that's driving 50 mile an hour and a 70 mile an hour speed limit, and she's over in the left lane, and you know you're trying to get by. Like, I know, I know you're more spiritual than that. You probably pray for her and that type of stuff. Um, it's irritating and frustrating enough to make you lose what little mind you have left. Well, let me read you a couple stories. A fellow by the name of Joseph Lott, he's a sales representative for, at that time, Compact Computers, survived one of the deadliest days in the modern American history. What happened on that morning, he had put on a green shirt before the meeting of his colleagues at the Marriott Hotel, sandwiched between the, ten, the Twin Towers in advance of the speaking at a conference that day. So he was going to stand up and be one of the speakers. One of the ladies that was there, she bought him a tie. Now, when he put his shirt on that morning, he put on a green shirt. Um, she gave him a tie that was red and blue, and uh, he was so thankful for it. He said, I'm going to put this on right now. She said, oh, no, you're not putting that on, not with that shirt. So he went back to the hotel, got a white shirt out, ironed his white shirt, put it on, and then put that special tie that she bought him on. When he walked out of the motel, when he walked out of that hotel, he could feel the earth shake, and, I mean, the rest is history. But he lived because of what we consider an inconvenience, you know. Oh, man, i got to go change my shirt, got to go all the way back to the hotel. He lived. Um, I've got a bunch of these stories I was reading about. Uh, Jared Cotts, another attendee at that conference at Windows on the World, survived because a single publication was missing from his employee's booth, so he offered to return to the office to fetch it. So, I mean, they had everything set up, and they're missing one little publication. He said, I'll go get it. I mean, inconvenient. But he survived. He was protected from what came. Uh, David Cravette, a broker and at Cantor Fitzgerald survived because one of the clients he was meeting with that morning had forgotten his driver's license and needed to be checked in at the security desk. Normally, he would have sent his assistant down, but she was eight and a half months pregnant. 
bless his heart, and hers. And he figured he was doing her a favor by not dispatching her to the lobby. He lived, she died. Monica O'Leary, who was also, uh, she also worked for Cantor Fitzgerald, survived because the firm had just laid her off uh, not even a full 24 hours prior to the attacks. She would later rejoin the firm after the attacks because all the human resource personnel they had um, uh, who would brave, who would have uh, processed her left were killed in 9-11 she was never taken off the payroll. She went right back to work because her name wasn't taken off the payroll. But here's the idea. She missed that attack because they fired her and she left the building. Um, what I, I could go on and read a whole bunch of stories. I got a bunch more. I'm going to stop at that reading these stories. But here's my point. When we have that slow driver in front of us, when we have the, 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 the flat, when uh, these things happen, your battery dies, all these things, maybe God is protecting you. From something that's come. Uh, once in a while, my wife, you know, that 50-year-old grandma would be up there. And she'd say, you know, it'd be okay. We'll get there. I mean, don't worry about it. You know, maybe God's protecting us from something. Woman, really? You going to say that now? But it's true. It's true. Um, I was thinking in the Bible where, where, where something like this might fall in place having all these inconveniences and stuff through life, I thought about the classic Bible passage that I could think of, Joseph. Joseph fed into slavery, falsely placed in prison, forgotten in prison, or, uh, yeah, placed in prison, then forgotten in prison. And yet at the end of it, he would say, and Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for I am in the place of God. But as for you, you thought evil against me, uh, Who's the red-haired preacher? Starts with Murphy. He imitates preacher. But God! But God! But God! If you recognize that was from about 30 years ago from, from our preacher. Men it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. So it teaches us patience. Even when we get in those, in, maybe God's just protecting us for something that's to come. We don't really know. Uh, fifthly, trust in the Lord. I was reading a book by Giuliani not long after this happened. Um, I figured out that he wasn't an especially religious man. But on 9-11, the phrase of the day was, may God bless you. That was the phrase of the day. Why? When catastrophes come, when the roof caves in, when troubles come, we automatically look up and lift our eyes to the hills and set our eyes on heaven. Someone has said there's no atheist in foxholes. When we're forced with thinking about the hereafter, we start thinking about God and start thinking about Jesus and start thinking about our Lord and our Savior. We just normally do that. You ladies that went through pregnancy, I'm apologizing for my story here, all right? I worked in, a, in an NICU, that's the neonatal ICU. It was right next to the OBGYN area. It made it real convenient. They had babies and brought them right over. Uh, so a woman would be delivering babies right next door. And the good part, it was easy to get the babies over. The bad part, we could hear them screaming and yelling, you know. Stay away from me. Don't you ever touch me again. I mean, that, that type of stuff. <laughs> uh, 
But one of the things I heard out of there was, Oh, Jesus, help me. Lord Jesus, please help me. Someone has said a woman journeys through the very jaws of death to bring forth a life, the life of their child. And when they're going through that, that, that journey, who do they cry out for? The Lord Jesus. Look up. President Bush, he was obviously president at 9-11. In the 9-11 aftermath, uh, he rose to the challenge before God and he used the name of God in his speeches more than uh, his father, more than President Reagan, more than President Ford. In fact, you have to go all the way back to Abraham Lincoln to find someone that used God in their speeches more than he did. Why? Perhaps because he became president for such a time as this. So uh, I'm just trying to get you to see these things, things I learned from 9-11. One of them... I guess he still worked for the church. I'm not sure he still worked for my mother's church. He did back then. He's a handyman at the church. His last name was Payne. He had a son, uh, Ronald Payne. They, they called him Ronnie, but he was a big, tall fella. He, he went into the Marines. Uh, so he's this big, tall fella. His last name was Payne. Everybody called him Big Payne. Um, but their son died in Iraq in May of 2004. And uh, uh, the guy told me that President Bush actually sat with them for about 20 minutes speaking to them. He prayed with them and cried with them, thank God for their son's sacrifice. We ought to be trusting in the Lord, especially in those times, but we ought to do it all the time. Things I've learned from 9-11, proud to be an American, the importance of family, the specialness of life, learning patience. That's a hard lesson to learn when you're behind grandma. And then trust in the Lord. These are the things I learned from 9-11. And uh, let me speak a little bit about eternity. Maybe there's someone here you never asked Jesus to save you before. All these things wouldn't do you a lot of good if you missed heaven. Well, Lord Jesus, he gave everything for us. Uh, he died on the cross for our sins, was buried, rose again the third day so that we could be saved. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I hope you'll come tonight and do that. Take care of that. And you could have Jesus in your heart and know heaven is your home. Are you 100% sure you're going to heaven? If not, I hope you'll come during the invitation. So uh, we're going to do that. We're going to have an invitation. And I hope you'll uh, take these things to heart, things we've learned from 9-11, put these into practice in our life.